0: Hey everyone, welcome to season two of the Life by Design Intentional Wellness podcast with Tracy, Debbie, and Paula, three friends who have a love for learning and an inquiring spirit for living a happy, healthy life. We are so glad you can join us as we discover together how to be our best physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Friends, we are on the journey with you. We're not doctors or experts in wellness. We are just collaborators partnering with you, our listeners to live a healthy, happy life in this chaotic world. Life by Design Intentional Wellness is for information sharing only. Don't take it as medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Make sure to work with your healthcare providers to determine the best way forward for your situation. This is the first part of a two-part podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Tracy leading the podcast on Life by Design, Intentional Wellness, where we are trying to live happy, healthy lives with intention and purpose. And we ask that you, our audience, join us on our journey. Season two has been exciting so far. (laughs) Debbie started us off with Atomic Habits by James Clear, and we learned strategies for building and sustaining good habits. Paula readdressed living our values and showed us how receiving and extending grace is a great spiritual habit to incorporate into our day-to-day lives. Today we are going to talk about longevity and this will cover spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional aspects of our lives. What if I told you Paula and Debbie there are some great habits that you could follow that could extend your life? Would you do it? I would consider it strongly. (laughs)
1: It depends what
0: those habits are. (laughs) Well, building off our year of creating good habits, today we are going to examine the habits that seem to contribute to longevity, comparing these habits to the habits that we've created in our own lives. And finally, as we end every podcast, we're going to do a call to action so that we can strategically implement More longevity practices into our lives. We are going to talk today about Dan Buettner's book, The Blue Zones Nine Lessons for Living Longer from People Who Live the Longest. So, Dan Buettner, he's an explorer, a National Geographic Fellow, and an award winning journalist and producer. And he's founder of something they call The Blue Zones. So, What the Blue Zones are exactly is Buettner worked with a team of demographers to find pockets of people around the world who've lived past 100, and these people are called centenarians. And in doing so, they found five places where this seems to happen a lot around the world. The first place is Barbasia, which is a region of Sardinia, which is in Italy, Icaria, Greece, for any of you who are familiar with Greek mythology, I believe this is where Icarus flew too close to the sun, Nicoya <laughs> Peninsula in Costa Rica, Loma Linda in California, Okinawa in Japan. And so in studying these people, and I think there was like 263 centenarians that they interviewed in these different pockets of the world where they seem to be more most prevalent, they found that there's nine habits that helped them live these long lives or they had in common. So you think these are the habits that helped them live their long lives. So in order just to give our audience a little bit of background for today's discussion, I'm going to highlight these nine habits right now. So the first habit is to move naturally, which means it doesn't mean running marathons or pumping iron. It means incorporate that into your daily life purpose. There are different names for purpose in different places. Okinawans call it Ikigai. Nikoyans call it plan de Vida. For both, it seems to translate into why I wake up in the morning. And also, number three, the ability to downshift. So it doesn't mean that people all in these different places are stress-free, but they have an ability to deal with stress and a way of calming themselves so that stress doesn't overcome them. There's number 4 is the 80% rule. And this one's a hard one for me. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the people in these places don't eat till they're entirely full. They eat till they're 80% full and have this like 20% gap of not being hungry and feeling full. So that's a hard one for me. And then plant slant is number 5. And what they mean by this is that they primarily in these areas, have a vegetarian-based diet. Not exclusively, but primarily because they eat locally grown food and it's mostly plants that they have. But there is some meat eating, just not maybe as much as we do here in the United States. And then, you're going to love this, girls, (laughs) wine at five is number six. (laughs) So (laughs) there are people in the blue zones that drink... Alcohol and moderation. And they find having alcohol when you're with friends and drinking in moderation can be actually healthy for you. There is one group, group in La Melinda, that do not drink at all. But all the other cultures do incorporate. I don't think it's alcohol so much, but wine is kind of the drink that they have. And number seven is to belong. And this is a good one because most of the people they said out of the 263 that they interviewed, except for five, had faith-based community. So they attend services, and it seems to add four to 14 years of life expectancy by having faith and having a faith-based life. So that's a good one. And loved ones first is number eight. And so they say that a lot of the successful centenarians put their families first and their families put them first too. You know, as they're getting older, their families really make it honorable to take care of their parents and to make that a part of their daily life. And then finally, number nine is the world's longest lived people choose or were born into social circles that support healthy behaviors. So, And finding the right tribe, that is what many of the people do in our blue zones. So we'll dig right in. And these questions come directly from Butner's book. So I want to give credit where credit is due. I didn't come up with these on my own, but I thought they were so good that it would be great to discuss these. So the first question we're going to talk about is blue zone centenarians have somehow managed to avoid the chronic diseases, heart disease, cancer, stroke, and diabetes that kill the majority of people in industrialized countries around the world, and especially in the United States. What do you guys think they're doing right that most of us are doing wrong? And what would it take to live more like the Blue Zone centenarians? Debbie?
2: Well, I I have to tell you that when this topic came about, I looked online and I did pick up a Blue Zone book about the nine strategies just because what you had sent was so fascinating to me. And so to answer the question of what are they doing right, besides the nine, the nine items that you went through, the one is I was looking through the book and I saw a picture of Frank Shear water skiing. And what got my wow is that Mr. Shear put on his first pair of water skis in 1939. And the picture I was looking at in the book is when he he was at age 99 and he had the quote of, I like outdoors and exercise. And this man does not look like there's any issues. He's just the epitome of a water skier. So that's what he's doing, right? And what we're doing wrong, well, it's not even about the water skiing, but I don't have such a a very active life that I should have. Yeah. Yeah. No apologies. (laughs) apologies. (laughs) Well, he's really a a motivator right there.
0: Yes. I just have to say, yes, definitely. And reading the book, there are so many great stories like that, you know, illustrate this kind of, besides doing these nine things, they have this kind of zest, right? It kind of gives them this extra zest for life. And certainly water skiing at 99 illustrates that, right? Oh
2: my gosh, yes, <laughs> tenfold. Yes,
0: Paula, how about you?
1: So that's funny because I actually did completely the opposite of what Debbie did. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I thought that the topic was fascinating, but I didn't want to learn more about it I kind of wanted to go into this conversation just with experience and thoughts and I, and conversation. So I didn't want to, before this conversation, I didn't want to delve into it deeper. So we're taking a different approach, Debbie, which I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you know, I love all of these, the power of nine. I think they they all really spoke to me. And just in reading that, what you shared with those, the power of nine inspired me. Like it made sense completely. And so, you know, I mean, what are they doing right? I think that they have a really good, these folks seem to have a really good approach, um, organic approach to living and meaning not just from like the plant-based foods, but you know, like moving naturally. You know, we tend to you know, train to run marathons, go to the gym and run on the treadmill or or lift uh, weights or whatever. And so it's more, I don't know if it's methodical what the word is I'm looking for rather than just it being part of our lives. Like this is, you know, who we are. I feel like everything that you talked about, Tracy, and setting up this conversation in this book, this is just a natural way of living for these folks. And I think when that's the case, then it's not like they're working hard at it. It's just who they are. That is what really inspired me is like these folks just have a really right approach to life. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we have a lot to learn from them.
0: I agree entirely. I mean, for the rest of us, we'll set goals for activity about going to the gym and then beat ourselves up for not doing them. Like they're not planning like, oh, I want to live a long life. So I'm going to do these habits. That's just their life. They were born into that way of life and they know that way of life. They're more active, more social, more faithful, and they're great about following a diet, you know. And I, you know, I take it like if if I look at, you know, the majority of Americans, I wouldn't say all Americans, you know, because obviously there's Loma Linda happening there. That are, <laughs> they're doing right. very well themselves. But I would say, you know, the 80 percent full and the more activity would do us all, you know, out of the nine things would probably, you know, do us all good. But again, it's not like just your diet. It's not just exercise, it's a whole way of, of life. You know, right. and it's more easily sustainable if you have that way of life and you're born into it, you have that right tribe or, you know, that right situation. But it's not impossible to have, you know, well, and, you and, not, you know.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Tracy, if you're born into it, I mean, that's awesome but that doesn't mean we can't learn from that and we can't adjust our own way of life. I think it I don't know, I'm I'm just talking out loud. So at the end of this podcast I might completely reverse what I just said <laughs> because I think you know we've talked about building habits and I think that that's really important. But somehow it has there has to be like this transition between this is just a habit I'm trying to build to It's the identity. This is who I want to be.
0: Yes. I think we talked in Atomic Habits of building an identity. Yeah. Identity and a mindset. Like I think those two things go hand in hand. And so you don't have to be necessarily in these places to to accomplish that. But you do have to be open-minded to build that identity and mindset when there may be some contradictory things in your general living. Right, so Buehner has another question here that I thought was very interesting. The centenarians in the blue zones formed their lifelong habits and reached adulthood in about the 1950s. Discuss ways in which we might have been better back then and the healthy habits they adopted that have been lost or fading away among our current generation of young Americans. Think about your own life and stories you've heard from grandparents and parents, how is life different than it is now? Discuss ways in which it is better or worse and the impact these things have made on our quality of life. Mm
2: -hmm. That's really interesting because when I think of, well, I wasn't born in the 1950s. However, when I think about back then, when at least from the TV shows at that time with Father Knows Best and the the mom's always at home cooking the dinner and the father comes home. If I just think of those meals and my mom was a homemaker in the beginning and like it was, there, she made dishes that were so delicious that I would not eat now because it was heavy on the butter and the oils and just not the way that I eat now. So I just find it fascinating that these people reached adulthood in the fifties. What did they eat? Because (laughs) I I just, (laughs) so I just find it, I think our diets now would be healthier, but maybe I need to go have a big slab of bacon. I don't know. It's just odd. The more butter, the better. That's my motto. I think my husband knows that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about that, too, and I was thinking about, because even my husband said the other day, he's like, I don't think you grew up eating healthy. I'm like, well, <laughs> because I grew up I was shared with him that i my parents would let me have cake or pie for breakfast before I went to school, but it was like <laughs> apple pie or blueberry pie. So I was having fruit. There you go. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I was thinking about that and uh, like how it was growing up as a child and what might be different. So, like my mom had a garden in our yard and she grew tomatoes and cucumbers and i can't remember what else but i mean i can remember sitting on our back porch and just picking tomatoes and just biting into them as if they were apples and just eating this uh, fresh vegetables and then my grandfather who didn't live very far from us he had blueberry bushes and Mm -hmm. a strawberry patch and so we would go to his house and we would pick bucket, that hence the uh, blueberry pies, we would pick buckets full of blueberries, and we would just sit in his backyard and just eat these blueberries. And, you know, so I just think about like, you know, being able to cook and, and eat these fresh organic vegetables and fruits. And I mean, I'm sure that there are places around in the world in the United States today that do that, but I don't have a garden in my backyard here. In Virginia, <laughs> and and so I think I don't know. I think even though maybe it didn't look like we ate healthy, I think you know a lot of our stuff did come from, you know, what my mom grew or my grandparents grew. That was definitely different. And then I was also thinking, like, I lived just you know a mile or so away from my grandparents, and so from a community, you know, what was the last one? The find your tribe or something right tribe you know mm-hmm. we had our family like we were always together and we would be you know sitting on the front porch visiting i don't know if it was a simpler life back then i mean my parents both worked and there was some stress in that but i don't know there was de- definitely i could see some of these nine power nine in my growing up years just from, you know, that that back then and that way of life back then.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
2: I would agree.
0: I would say too, like, I mean, I was never denied the Pop-Tart or SpaghettiOs stuff. I would never <laughs> eat today. You know, Debbie things I would never eat today. My mom was- you good- want a Pop-Tart today? Uh- no actually I'm not really eating a lot of the sugar so I probably wouldn't eat a pop-tart you know right. really honestly I don't even crave a pop-tart now oh. spaghettios I can't even look at it. I was like <laughs> oh they're just awful but you know I was like one of the first foods as a little kid that I could cook myself right you can hope they can you can put it on the stove mm-hmm. you can do all that so that was a big you know big thing but you know, my mom was a good cook, I would have to say, and I would know that slabs of butter that we had. And our parents were probably all coming to adulthood, uh, 1960s, probably mm-hmm. after the, you know, that 1950s kind of cutoff that they talk about here. I have to say though, like more like our grandparents and I have to, like you are saying, Paula, my grandfather was a farmer. He did not have a farm, you know, when my mom was growing up, but he, had come from there and had a gorgeous garden and he would grow tomatoes and which we have my grandma would make salads with and all that stuff and my mom you know she they lived in Connecticut but up on a hill so they had a walk to school you know even in the cold weather you know they'd stop at other people's houses and then go on to the grammar school or high school that they were supposed to go so that kept them kind of in shape, you know. And, and I think they had, I think during that time period, to our parents' childhood, they had more locally grown foods that they had access to, yeah. you know. And like you said, we got a lot of that, like via our grandparents, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily our parents. So that was really good, and and got some good habits from from that aspect. Yeah, it was it was definitely different. Like, I feel like we're the kind of the transition generation where it, you know, it kind of went from more processed foods to, you know, from locally grown foods, you know. So we're the um,
2: generation that blew it.
0: <laughs>
2: no, 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 I don't. I don't think that's
0: true. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's necessary, but I will have to say one thing, like I, I hadn't really thought about myself, but When I was younger and you guys maybe not had this experience, like I'm not a smoker. I never really smoked, but everybody in my environment when I was a child was a smoker. My dad was a smoker. My grandmother smoked, you know, my mom not really a smoker every once in a while, you know, but I have aunts and aunts and uncles and that whole time period. I mean, you used to go to grammar school and what did you make in, uh, you know, arts and crafts, but an ashtray, right? An ashtray, uh, yes. You know, like they would never have kids do that now, right? That's so so that, That's kind of something better. I think that is not in my environment now that was in my environment when I was younger.
1: You know So yeah, that's a good point, Tracy. I grew up with a lot of smokers around me too, and I didn't think about that. But yeah, you're right. That I feel like we're definitely—I don't know what the statistics are, but I feel like we're less of a smoking age right now.
0: Yeah, less yeah, where it's so prevalent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, they even have rules like you can't smoke in here, or you can't smoke on the plane, or you can't. Right. You know, so and I, I, I'm appreciative of those. Yeah. And
2: I remember when we were kids, if you went to a restaurant, you had to ask for the no smoking section. Right. Yes. And then you had to go through the smoking sections <laughs> to get to the no smoking section.
0: Yes. Right. The irony of it all, Debbie. Yes. Definitely. Know. Yes. And sometimes it was just a
1: table away, you know, right. like yeah. you this table in the non-smoking <laughs> section. Yeah. That's sitting right next to the smoking section table.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's that's one thing where I can see we've improved, but definitely I feel like our food sources were better maybe in our parents' generation when they were growing up than they yeah. are now. So yeah, this is a centenarian from the book. Kamana mm-hmm. Nakasato is a 102-year-old woman living in the Motobu Peninsula in Okinawa. She tells us that the secret to her longevity is her spirit of vicky guy, or as it's called in Costa Rica, plan de vida. The reason for waking up in the morning. How do you see the purpose for life differs among centenarians in the blue zones compared to what you see going around you? And in what ways could Americans adapt an attitude more like people in the blue zones? What about your own spirit of vicky guy? Do you have one? Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty loaded question. So. <laughs> just want to take one part of that, you know, to answer even just about your own spirit of Ikigai or de Vida, that would be fine. So Paula, what is your Ikigai?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I do think that having a purpose, you know, a reason to wake up in the morning is critical. And I think off and on in my lifetime, I thought about it. It felt like when I was working the purpose was just to go to work and make a difference at work, right or wrong. I mean, that's kind of what I had in my head. But when I retired, you know, I had to think, like, what is my purpose? Why Why do I? Why should I wake up in the morning and what am I going to do? And I think that that has a huge impact on somebody's life, quality of life and early quantity, according to this study. So I, I just started a ladies Bible study at church th- this week. And there's a woman in our study who's 86 years old. And she said, I, like," she's like, I just want the Lord to continue to use me, even though I'm 86 years old. Like her purpose is just to be used by the Lord. And that is just, you know, her heart's desire that she's not too old to still be used by the Lord. And so she was talking about how she takes care of an 89-year-old woman in a nursing home. And she goes, and she visits and, you know, and spends time with her. And I just thought, wow, how amazing, you know? And so I think that that is critical. And I think we all have a purpose. I think um, God has given us a purpose. And Mm -hmm. if we don't know what it is, we should spend time Praying about it, meditating on it, journaling about it, because it will rise to the top if you focus on it. We all, we were all created with a purpose. And I believe that with all my heart. I refer to my own purpose as Scott, my husband, and I kind of as our front porch ministry and that is we spend tons of time outside as we're retired. We love to be outside. I just had breakfast outside before I came to do this podcast. And because we sit out in our front yard, people stop by all the time. They're walking on the sidewalk and they come by and they visit. We meet new people. We pray for people. We talk to people. We encourage people. We laugh with people, whatever it is. And so I just feel like you know, just having an opportunity to really encourage people, talk to people, let them know that they matter is my purpose. And so it's not like a lofty, you know, I'm not trying to save the world. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not creative in like, you know, creating new things, but it's just simply by spending time with people and letting them know that they matter. You know, hopefully that isn't impacts the people I come in contact with, but it certainly makes for my day. Like, I, I'm blessed from those encounters too, for sure. Oh,
2: yeah. I, what about a, you, Debbie? Um. Yeah, I love Paula's purpose because I love helping people, whatever that looks like. And defining, like, why I wake up in the morning, it's really. I really appreciate both of you ladies that you guys have retired. And I I, pseudo, I did retire and then I wasn't done working. So I found another job because I want to be able to make a difference and do what I really like to do. And I'm starting to think of, well, what is my purpose if I didn't go to work? Where would I make that impact? Where would I make a difference? And so I have several things that I'm trying to pursue but if I pursue everything something's got to give so I don't know I'm I'm entertaining how can I define or focus on a sole purpose because Mm -hmm. I love getting up in the morning I'm a very positive person but Mm -hmm. you you know you can only really do effectively so much so
0: yeah Debbie I, I think I've kind of like struggled like you know, knowing my purpose. It's like, I feel like I have to save the world. Like there's, you know, the something lofty and and your purpose doesn't have to be that to make an impact. And I, and I think that's where people, you know, kind of lose their, you know, or, or aren't able to find their purpose, you know, and like you, you know, I love getting up out of bed every morning, you know, first and foremost, because I love my husband and my family and God, you know, and I, I, all those things are important to me. And so I really have started to try to think about like what my purpose is. And really, I I think this podcast is part of my purpose. I think my purpose is to work with others and heal myself and heal others too, you know? And so I think, you know, working with you guys, this has been really great to extend my purpose. I mean, I don't think it's one thing. I think it's a lot of things. You know, Debbie, you want to help people while you probably do it in many ways. You're helping me now, you know, (laughs) helping Paula now. You're helping all our listeners now. So, you know, it doesn't have to be one thing. You're absolutely right, Tracy, because I love this
2: time when we get together. One, because we're all three of us have been friends for years and years and years but I really do believe this is helping people as well
0: it helps me to have these discussions with you guys so you know Mm -hmm. it's a win-win definitely me too and and I I would encourage us
1: the three of us and all of our listeners not to you know kind of get wrapped around the axle with purpose like Oh, it make it so lofty or so big and, and stress if we can't figure that out because it really isn't that it doesn't have to be that complicated you know it, it's what kind of motivates you what excites you and how and it's giving to others and reaching out to others it really could be a
0: very simple thing thank you for going along on the ride with us today as we pursue ways to intentionally live our best lives with purpose and meaning we want to hear from you, our companions on the journey of designing a life of intentional wellness. Visit our website at wwwlife by design intcom and let us know what you think about the podcast. We invite you to share your story, suggest a topic for discussion, and rate this in previous podcast episodes. Share our podcast with your friends because our desire is to build a community dedicated to a life designed with meaning and value.